Well, hello and good morning. Are you enjoying this nice fall weather? Is anyone, I had, I had, okay, five people, awesome. I had a giant debate with our team and I was arguing with them that it is fall. It is fall. How do you know I know? Overcast and pumpkin spice lattes. Welcome to fall, baby. Hello, here we go. Okay, anyways, for everyone else who doesn't care about pumpkin spice lattes like me, we are diving into week four of our sermon series called Habits. Turn to your neighbor and tell them habits. Go ahead, find someone, just tell them habits, habits. And we are taking a look at the practices, the ways, the quote-unquote habits of Jesus, all directed towards this idea of how do we reclaim, as Christ followers, how do we reclaim this abundant life that we are in fact promised from following him because I don't know about you but life feels a lot of feels pretty crazy most days life feels pretty hectic all the time life feels overwhelming how can we reclaim this life abundant well some of the ways we can do this is by not just following but living out some of the habits and practices of Jesus so we are diving into our new habit our new practice uh, that we are diving into our second habit for this series, and it is all about, actually, you know what, why don't we introduce our new habit in the form of our sermon title. Find three people around you. Tell them our sermon title today. Tell them, it would be my honor. It would be my honor. Go ahead. I know it's fall, but we are going to be extroverts right now. Tell them, it would be my honor. And take a look at some background and a little context on the left-hand side of your notes. Letter A, we're going to look at the life of Abraham and more specifically, his children's relationship to him, their father. Abraham is going to have some failings and some difficulties as a father and have a falling out with his boys, but let us see today. We'll see how Abraham's boys responded to their father's shortcomings. Now, we're going to be diving into Abraham's story. We're going to pick it up, though, in Genesis 21. Now, warning, if I were to tell you the entire story of this man in the Bible, it would take about four hours. You, you, can you hang with me on these seats for four hours? No, you all look terrified. Okay, thank the Lord. No, we are not going to talk for four hours. So I'm going to kind of expedite the process. I'm going to give you three fixed points in their story together. And then I'm going to sum it all up. We're going to have a nice time. And then you can go to lunch wherever your heart desires. So follow along with me in Genesis 21. This is taking a look at Abraham's first son, a son that he did not have with his actual spouse, whom God promised they would have an heir. This is as some of you would know if you grew up in church, this is Abraham taking God's promise into his own hands uh, with his wife's servant, and they produce a son named Ishmael. There's going to be tension in their blended family, and Abraham's wife is going to demand that her servant and his son Ishmael be sent away. So taking a look at Hagar and Ishmael being sent away, Genesis 21, picking up verse 14. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, strapped them on Hagar's shoulders, underline this next part. Then he sent her away with their son. And she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness 
wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of the bush. Their wandering is leading closer and closer to uh, death. And in verse 16, she went and sat down by herself about 100 yards away, not wanting Ishmael to see her break down. And she wept. She broke down. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said as she burst into tears. Now, there is a happy ending for them. An angel appears, and he blesses them. He promises that God's going to take care of them. But imagine how traumatic this must have been for Ishmael. Imagine being sent away from his father for doing no wrong, but being sent away because of circumstances that he can't control. Imagine how Ishmael must have internalized this. Imagine how Ishmael must have processed this, being sent away. You can imagine he would have some bitterness in his heart, right? He would have some resentment towards his father. And this is where Abraham fails in Ishmael's story. Take a look at Genesis 23, though. Things are going to continue to be tough for the patriarch. This section is called Abraham's Obedience Tested. This isn't going to be a failure of Abraham as much as it will be a difficulty he faces. Take a look at this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. And so Abraham is going to be deeply perplexed. He's going to be deeply distraught. This isn't as confusing to Abraham as it is heartbreaking, whereas this is both heartbreaking and confusing to us because child sacrifice has not been seen on the face of this planet for quite a while here in the West, right? But in Abraham's day, all the local gods and idols would usually require children to be sacrificed, an infant sacrifice. And so Abraham is more distraught that the God he's following is just like all the other gods. But being distraught, having faith, Hebrews 14 tells us that Abraham believed that God would just resurrect him again and that this was a test of obedience. Abraham, filled with pain, yet filled with faith, walks up with his son Isaac, whom he loves so much. And as Abraham raises the knife, an angel appears and says, Abraham, stop. Surely I know that your faith is genuine. Now, this would take me about five weeks in a sermon series to explain this whole chapter and how deep it is theologically, but God differentiates himself from other gods. And he says, I'm not like them. I provide my own sacrifice. And God provides a ram for Abraham to sacrifice instead, foreshadowing the arrival of Jesus. God provides his own sacrifice to make us right with him. So needless to say, Isaac's a little traumatized. How, how messed up would you be if your dad drove you to the middle of the wilderness and said, all right, son, you have had a good run, but well, the God Lord said something and uh, here's a knife. <laughs> You'd be a little jacked up too, right? You'd have some issues. You would need some therapy. Can we all agree on this, right? Well, believe it or not, the Bible, um, the Bible never tells us that Isaac ever spoke to Abraham again. We have no contextual clues to ever realize if Isaac ever said another word to his father again. As a matter of fact, when Abraham goes to set up his son, Isaac, and find a bride for him, Abraham never exchanges a single word with Isaac, but has to go through a servant to find a bride for his son. And so we can infer that Isaac and Abraham probably never spoke together again. And then here's where we finally pick up Genesis 25, the death of Abraham. Take a look at this. 
Abraham gave everything he owned to his son Isaac. But before he died, he gave gifts to sons of his concubines and sent them away off to lands in the east. Abraham remarried after his wife died. And uh, picking up again, verse 7, Abraham lived for 175 years. Holy Toledo! And he died at the ripe old age, having lived a long and satisfying life. He breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. Verse 9, his son Isaac, underline this, his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah. Their sons came back and gave their father a funeral near Mamar in the field of Ephron, uh, son of Zohar the Hittite. This field was uh, that Abraham purchased from the Hittites and where he had buried his wife, Sarah. Underline this next part. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son, Isaac. Underline that. God blessed him after Isaac honored his father. And then picking up in Exodus 20, we see Isaac and Ishmael uh, demonstrate. We see them model honoring their father. And then a couple hundred years later, God's not just going to have us model. He's going to mandate that we honor those who gave us life. Exodus 20, NLT, honor your father and mother. Underline this next part. This is the promise. So that you may live long in the land that the Lord, your God, is giving you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, honor, honor. Tell him, honor. It would be my honor. It would be my honor. We're going to dive into our next practice. You guys did such a good job of hospitality. You did such an amazing job with inviting people in and loving your neighbor. I'm really excited to see what God's going to do in our next chapter together. Take a look at our main point, our main practice, and our habit for this series, giving honor. Giving honor, parentheses, what we're going to focus on today, honoring those who gave us life. Letter A, notice, Isaac and Ishmael choose to honor their father despite his shortcomings and difficulties as a father. They showed up when their dad died and they gave him the funeral and they did it with honor. Now, some of you are already checking out at this point because let's face it, you, some of you grew up in church just like I grew up in church, right? And you remember that when it comes to this whole Ten Commandments thing, you remember commandment number five, thou shalt honor your father and mother and you had some lady with really tall hair and she had a little felt board and there was Moses with the long beard and there was thunder and it's like if you don't honor your father and mother who knows what can happen right and she like put the fear of God in your children luckily we don't still do that today we've gotten rid of the felt boards and we have nice videos for our kids but the truth be told a lot of us parents have either learned this or have relied on this for behavior modification for our kids right like maybe your parents tried this on you like what does the bible say you better honor me so help me your room better be clean in five minutes right we have used this for behavior modification purposes and now if you're a young parent try it as well maybe it can work who knows we'll see but there is something going on deeper in this story you see this wasn't just about behavior modification because I know a lot of us might be checking out at this time because you're thinking of your situation with your parents you're thinking of your situation with your parents that were either here and are now in heaven you're thinking of parents who you might have a strange relationship with. You might be thinking of parents whom you are carrying a a weight and you are with them, supporting them in this time as they age and as your children grow older. You are thinking of your situation with your parents and you're applying it to scripture. But I need to warn you, 
That's not how God's promises work. We are not meant to take our situation and apply it to scripture to define our reality. We're to take scripture and apply it to our situation. That's when you activate God's promises. So I encourage you right now, as I say the word honor, this is going to be a tough word for us as a society because instead of honoring those around us, it's much easier to just sever and cut ties and do our own thing, isn't it? It's much easier. You hear of a strange relationships all the time. But take a look at this. It is deeper than that. Take a look at your subpoint. Honor is different than love. You can choose honor even when you don't feel love. Honor and love are two totally different things. No matter what your relationship was with your parents before they passed away, no matter how your relationship was before you stopped talking, no matter how much resentment, you're trying not to feel because you are glad to take care of your parents as they so selflessly took care of you when you were little. And yet it's still demanding energy. It's still costing you sleep. It's still costing you financial uh, investment. It is still taking a toll on you. And so you're glad to support your parents, but you're still feeling this tension and this trial and this burden on the inside. And you feel guilty because you feel a little bit of resentment. And you don't want to feel resentment because you love your parents and you want to take care of them, but you still feel resentment from the burden that you are carrying as you try to hold the weight. And it comes out in, in, in different demeanors, in different anger, in different lashing out. And you try to show compassion, but you still feel that burden. Honor is different. There is a way to honor even when Love does not feel present in our heart. No matter how much weight you might be carrying right now, maybe you are in a season where you are taking care of your parents, or maybe you have had a difficult time growing up and your parents left you with burdens to carry. Take a look at letter B with me. The word honor is the Hebrew word kavod. Turn to your neighbor, tell him kavod, kavod. You just learned Hebrew, good job, kavod. Kavod, which not only means honor, but take a look at this. Kavod also means heavy and weighty. Heavy and weighty, honor and heavy and weighty. Letter B, which makes sense because honoring our parents can have seasons of heavy work, can it? Honoring our parents can take some pretty heavy seasons and some pretty heavy tolls on our life, whether you grew up in a broken home or whether you are taking care of your wonderful parents who took care of you. I was 18 years old when my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and uh, my parents, I mean, my dad was up every day at 3.30 a.m. My mom worked her tail off and took care of kids. My uncle was not in the picture. And so I was 18 years old playing high school football, going to school, being a normal kid, except at nighttime from 10 to about 3 a.m., I was taking care of my grandpa and I was taking care of his needs. And sometimes I would literally have to carry grandpa from the couch to the bedroom, from bedroom to the couch, from the couch to the restroom. There, were a, there was a season where I actually had to carry that burden at 18 years old. Just like some of you can think of a season in your life, can think of a season with a grandparent where you have had to carry the weight as well. Notice how honor also means heavy and weighty. This is going to be important because letter, uh, second sub point, maybe some of us have been carrying carrying some burdens on your shoulders for a long time and you are just used to that weight. You see, Jesus himself, he even had heavier seasons with his parents. First of all, Jesus was the son of God in flesh and yet he still listened to his parent as a teenager. 
Can you believe that? Could you imagine how those conversations went? Like Joseph, Jesus's like stepdad, however you want to phrase it, right? Like Jesus, how many times have I told you to clean up your room? Could you imagine preteen Jesus? You're not my real father. You're not my real dad. I know who he is. Can you imagine that? The son of God listening to parents whom he helped create. Not only that, but Jesus who could have picked up any craft in the world. He could have done anything he wanted to. He knows everything. Jesus honored his father by picking up the family business and learning the trade of his dad. Jesus would continue to honor his parents. He would honor his mom, Mary, when they were at the wedding of Cana. Do you remember that story? And she said, hey, they ran out of wine and they are going to be embarrassed. I need your help. Jesus listened to her. Mary told Jesus kind of what to do. Like that is theologically difficult to wrestle with. And yet Jesus still honored his mother. And then in Mark 3, we read about how Jesus's earthly ministry was beginning to explode. Thousands of people were following all around him and his family kind of loses it. Like, "Uh, son, what are you doing? And they try to hinder his ministry. And yet Jesus, instead of calling down thunderbolts, he honors his father, he honors his mother and his brothers and his family at that time. And he doesn't rebuke them. And last but not least, as Jesus was hanging on the cross with the literal weight of the world's sin on his shoulders, with one of his last pain-filled, blood filling his lungs, one of his last breaths, he looks at his mother and he looks at his best friend, John, and he says, mother, this is your son. And son, this is your mother. He was handing off responsibility as the firstborn child to his best friend, John, telling him to take care of my mom while I'm gone. Jesus also had heavier seasons where he had to carry the weight and honor his family, just like you have had heavier seasons. Maybe it is a season right now, or maybe your parents were not the best parents in the world, and you've picked up some unhealthy patterns. My father struggled with alcoholism uh, for the majority of his adult life, and by the time I was 21 years old. I was a full-fledged alcoholic, and I was struggling with binge drinking myself. I picked up that weight from my father. Some of us have also picked up some weights from our parents as well. Some of our deepest dysfunctional idiosyncrasies can find their roots in the way and how we grew up. Some of us have been carrying weights. So our last uh, little sub-point here, that little line, how on earth can we actually live out this practice? And more importantly, why should we live this out? It is so much easier to just leave the past in the past. It is so much easier to just sever ties than it is to honor. We see a society that chooses to sever instead of honor. And so to help illustrate this point, I need a little help. I've prepared something that I think will help us as an illustration, but I need my friend Mark. Mark, uh, can you do me a favor? Can you grab our little illustration? Can you bring it over? Can you clap it up for Mark, my friends? Can you clap it up? Yes, I appreciate it. Look at you go. I have brought some dumbbells in here to illustrate. Mark, why don't you go ahead, leave them. (laughs) Those are like five pound dumbbells. Don't even play. All right, go ahead, leave it right there in the light. We'll let people see it. Uh, so how many of here, while Mark is uh, doing that, I think of, oh, wow, you grabbed all of them. Holy cow, clap it up for Mark, wow. So 
I've been having a little bit of a situation. Uh, let's pull the crowd real fast. How many of you, you are those weird people, you actually enjoy exercising? How many? How many here? You enjoy, whoa, what the heck? No way. How is this possible? Okay, how many of you are more like me? You don't enjoy working out, but you just enjoy being able to say that you did work out today. How many of you, you have to work out and you realize it? You just go to check it off the list. I don't know what happens. Maybe the fact that I got married, have a kid, and I have a family life now. Now I feel like there are so many better things to just spend an hour at a gym. And so uh, I'm trying to reduce my gym time as much as possible. And so I switched from Powerhouse Gym to Fitness 19 because it's closer. And let's face it, driving 15 minutes to get to the gym should be a sin. That is just the worst thing in the world. So I transferred to uh, Fitness 19, and it's been going good. I, uh, I've been enjoying it, but I don't really enjoy working out as much as I used to nowadays. And uh, I'll just be real. Netflix, grabbing and hanging out with my son, sounds a whole lot more appealing. I'd rather hang out with him and watch the latest Netflix show and then eat dinner as a family and call it good, you know? I, 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 I like the gym, but, you know, I kind of... I realized that, you know what, maybe a couple sets of bench and the treadmill for five minutes, maybe that's good enough nowadays, you know? Like, maybe that is fine at this day and age and season in my life. I'm not enjoying exercising as much as I used to. As a matter of fact, most days when I have a really heavy schedule, I'm learning to just skip it all together. I'm learning to just not go and not care. But the problem is, is I'll feel guilty for not going. I'll feel guilty for about an hour, you see, because I only have a one-hour window to work out. So I'll sit there on the couch, on my cell phone, watching TV, hanging out with my son, and I'll be like, man, I really better go. I got 55 minutes. Oh, 10 minutes will go by, then the show will end. Oh, man, 45 minutes. Now's the time. And I'll just sit there, and then 30 minutes, like, this is it. Like, you know, five minutes to get to the gym, 20 minutes to work out, five minutes to get back. Like, I can at least redeem this. And then I'll just end up watching Netflix the entire time and not going. But my wife screwed this up. I used to only feel guilty for an hour because that was what it took to go get a workout in. You see, I used to have to skip going to the gym to feel guilty. But then my wife went and did something. She bought dumbbells and exercise equipment and she brought them home. Now, instead of feeling guilty for an hour because I didn't go to the gym, I feel guilty all day because the gym is in my home. Now I feel guilty as before. I used to have to not go to the gym to feel guilty. Now I'm in my house and the dumbbells are just staring at me like, what are you doing? And you don't understand. Now I feel guilty all day because I don't have an excuse. The gym is in my house. And now I have no excuse not to get an exercise in. The only way, there would be only way to not feel guilty uh, at, at you know, Monday, 6 p.m., as I'm sitting on the couch and the dumbbells are just staring at me in disappointment. They are just staring at me in disgust. Like, Tyler, Tyler. They're just calling, like, through my conscience, you know, like, Tyler, lift me. And I'm like, you don't understand the day I had, Mr. Dumbbell. I had to balance budgets because the fiscal year is coming to an end. I'd like to see you feel motivated to work out after that. You don't know my pressures. Tyler. Don't judge me, Mr. Dumbbell. My family is sick. You don't know what I've had to do. Tyler, the dumbbells cry. There is no way to escape the guilt that I feel on the inside. Don't you feel sorry for me? Don't you, 
Okay, come on, act a little bit sad. This is, this is tough. There is only one way, one way possible for me to remove the weight of the guilt that I feel, and that would be to return the dumbbells. There would only be one way, humanly speaking, that I cannot feel shame Monday at 6 p.m. because of what I am not doing. The only way that I could escape the guilt and shame from not working out would be to return the weight from where Peyton got them. There is only one option I have moving forward, and that would be if I were to return the weight from where it came. Wouldn't it be nice in life if there was a way to not return physical weights? But wouldn't it be nice in life if there was a way to return the weight we feel on the inside? Wouldn't it be nice if there was a way to return the weight that's been placed on our shoulders that we feel every single day? Take a look at that last subpoint with me. What did the word honor mean? Heavy and weighty. When you give honor, you return the weight that's been placed on you. When you give honor, you return the weight that's been placed on your shoulders from where it came. And when it comes to honoring our parents, there's going to be heavy seasons there are gonna be situations and patterns that we've been carrying for decades. Some of our deepest dysfunctions that are rooted in our life have nothing to do with the people around us today and everything from how we grew up in the family of yesterday. Some of us have been carrying weights for decades, for years, and these weights have held us down, and now God is actually trying to show us something besides behavior modification, and he is trying to teach you that, yes, you will have heavy seasons of honoring your parents, and yes, you may not have had perfect parents, who may have placed some weight on your shoulders that you have been carrying the shame and the guilt and the pain for so many years, but there is a way by the grace of God that you can return the weight that has been placed on your shoulders if you are willing to give honor, if you are willing to give back honor, you can give back weight. When you take the weight that's been placed in your life and you transform it into to honor God transforms your heart if you want to find a way to find some relief from the weight that has been on your shoulders God is telling you that it comes through the form of honor and if you are believing that God can do this in your life put your hands together right now because God can transform your heart from the weights that have held it down if you are willing to return the weight in the form of honor. It's a transformation. It's a transformative process. You transform the pain into honor, and God transforms your heart. You transform the guilt you feel on the inside to honor, and God transforms your heart. God has given us a way to escape the pain, the burden, the shame, 
the chains that have been holding us down for decades. If you are willing to return the weight from where it came, I may not have had the best parents in the world, but you know what? My father, despite his dysfunctions, he did the best he could for me. You know what? I may not have had the best, uh, the best family life growing up from what I have seen, but you know what? They went to work anyways and bought the clothes that they could, and so I am going to return the weight, and I am going to give honor where I can. I may have seen some stuff. I may have been put through some things, but you know what? With Jesus giving me strength, I can at least acknowledge the fact that they gave me life, and now I know a heavenly father who won't let me down, and I am going to return the weight from where it came. God is inviting us into this transformative process to change our hearts from weighed down to relieved, from heaviness to wholeness, from burden to bless. This is what God's inviting us to. So take a look at this next section as we go quickly. When we choose to honor instead of sever, severing is so much easier when you are carrying the weight of, your, uh, of this season with your parents and it is burdening you and you, you don't want to feel bitterness, but the burden is so strong, you are, fighting to f- you are fighting to feel free. The society is so quick to sever. And even if you are taking care of your parents in this heavy season, you, so much of society will choose to sever emotionally. When God's inviting you in to experience this transformation instead, number one, reconciling the past allows us to redeem the present. Reconciling the past allows us to redeem the present. Notice what happened on the left-hand side of your notes. Uh, Who showed up to bury their father? Both boys. Both boys, the boy that was sent away for doing nothing wrong and the son who experienced the traumatic event by his father. Both boys chose to give honor. I wonder how many of us have ever felt the weight of an absent father? How many of us have ever felt the pain of something that happened between us and a male role model? God is telling us we can escape the weight if we could transform the pain and do so through honor. We can redeem the present when we reconcile the past. A lot of commentators believe that Isaac and Ishmael, who should have gone to war, who should, who should have killed one another to get the family blessing, a lot of people, a lot of scholars believe they reconciled. They reconciled. They reconciled the past, and it allowed them to redeem the present. So many of our current relationships today are strained, not because of the people around us today, but because of the people we grew up with so long ago. So many of our deepest, darkest roots of brokenness not, are not a result from our situation today, but from our circumstances of the past. And God is inviting you, if you will not just let it stay in the closet, but if you will wrestle, if you will, will bring it to Jesus, and if you will reconcile, God can allow you to redeem the greater joy. If you can release the weights of the past, you can pick up greater joy in your present. If you could release the, the, the weights of your past, you can pick up greater hope in your present. If you can release the weights of the past, you can pick up greater joy in the present, no matter what what is going on? Letter A, returning the weight in the form of honor is a transformative process. It changes your heart. And last sub point, you'll never get over it if you don't deal with it. 
There are weights that we don't tell anyone about. There are weights that we have never shared with another soul. There are weights that are so far buried in our past, we don't even recognize them as weights anymore, carrying us, holding us down. But if you have a, a, a community around you, that's a very intentional word we use. We call it life groups. If you have a life group around you and a safe place to process, you can reconcile the past with Jesus' help and redeem your present. If you do not have a life group community, we are signing up for life groups this fall. If you're interested, write it on your connection card. If you don't have a community, I would highly recommend counseling. It's healthy for your soul. I do counseling every few years because after a couple years, that's enough time to go by for me to get screwed up in the head again, right? Right? You can find a place to reconcile the past to redeem the greater joy in the present. Number two, honoring doesn't have to look like loving. This has tripped you up so far in the sermon, hasn't it? <laughs> I'm not gonna honor my parents. If you knew what I went through, you would not even be giving this sermon. But the truth is, honoring doesn't look like loving. How did Isaac and Ishmael honor their father? Through a funeral. It didn't look like family dinners on Thursdays. It didn't look like a two-week vacation every summer. I don't know what God's doing in your life, but honoring doesn't have to look like agreeing with. Honoring doesn't have to look like inviting over. Honoring, depending on what your relationship looks like, it can look like a Christmas card. It could look like a, a biannual phone call. It could look like getting together for coffee once a month for an hour. Honoring doesn't have to look like loving. You don't need to love your parents to honor your parents. And if you are going through a heavy season, you don't have to love the situation you're in to honor your parents you're with. You don't have to love the situation you're facing like I faced with my grandparent, like with my grandfather. I didn't love having to take care of my grandfather as he was painfully just slipping away. I didn't love that season of my life, but I honored him in it. And God is able to move in your heart if you are willing to transform the weight and if you are willing to transform it and return it in the form of honor, God could transform your heart from that burden as well. And finally, number three on your notes, when we honor the last chapter, we're better able to embrace the next chapter. When we honor the last chapter of life, when we deal with it, when we go there, when we reconcile it, when we honor the last chapter, we're better able to embrace the next chapter. What happened at the end of Genesis 25? What did you underline? After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac. Isaac didn't hold on to resentment. He didn't cut ties he didn't choose anger. He didn't sever emotionally. He leaned, he leaned into the, the honor, and God blessed him for it. You might not have a single good thing to say about a parent. Some of us have lived that type of broken life. You may be in a heavy season right now honoring those who've gone before you. You might be in a heavy season or you may still have hurt in your heart from when they passed so many years ago. When we honor the last chapter, we're better able to embrace the next chapter, turn the page. 
You don't have to hold on to those words or moments any longer. Turn the page. You don't have to hold on to their failure or shortcomings any longer. In my life today, just being open and transparent as I was struggling with this, honoring our parents, what does that look like? What does that mean? For me, as you know, I lost my father when I was 19 years old. And it's been a difficult road since then. And I have had trouble honoring the last chapter, not because of what he did, but because of where I am today in life. I'm holding on to resentment in my own heart, resentment that manifests itself. You see, when my dad died in college, I, I never finished school. I didn't go back to Iowa where I was playing football and finished like nothing ever happened. I stayed out here. I did the best I could. And now, 10 years later, I am at a snail's pace taking one class a semester so I can work full time, so I can try to be a present father, so I can try to be a good husband. And I hold so much bitterness in my heart. If he wouldn't have died, I could have finished this by now. I could have finished this race and I could be there for my son greater. I could be there for my wife better. And I hold on to self-resentment because I never finished what I started because he passed. I process things emotionally, internally, because of what happened. I processed things like if he wouldn't have died, if he would have taken care of himself, I would be further ahead financially. If he would have stayed put as our breadwinner, I could have finished school. He could have taken on my grandparents' property before it foreclosed and went bankrupt. I could have had a place, a home to call my own with a, with a low financial mortgage rate, but instead I am stuck in a rat race where I am trying to save money while spend it on rent. I'm trying to save while pay and I am so mad and bitter at myself financially because I feel like a failure as a provider and as a husband and if he wouldn't have left me I could be further ahead and I could be a better provider for my family and I felt so much bitterness and resentment in my heart as I walked through the threshold of marriage all those years ago and he missed it as I walked through the threshold of giving birth to the son my joy my wife who gave birth to our son the the love of my life and he missed it and now I lay awake at night and I daydream and I drift off during the daytime and I wonder what would he say to me as a husband what would he say to me as a father what would he say to me as a man how could he guide me in fatherhood how could he guide me in manhood how can he guide me as a husband and I lay awake wondering what he would say and I have kept carry the weight of bitterness and resentment towards myself because he is gone for so long. But I am looking at our verses today and today is the day where I want to invite you with me to take the weight that has been placed on your shoulder and to return it back from where it came. If you are ready today to take the weight that has been placed on your shoulders and to say, you know what? It's not what I thought. It's not what I look like. I am sorry that it happened, but I refuse to live with this burden any longer. And I, in the name of Jesus, am going to return this weight. And I am going to pick up the joy and the peace and the hope and the love and the transformation 
that Jesus has for me today. I'm going to return the weight in the form of honor. I'm going to transform that pain through this process. And I'm going to watch as he transforms my heart in the meantime. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come here today. And Father, some of us have deep wounds. I recognize that. Some of us are still dealing with brokenness and hurt today because of what happened decades ago and all those years. Some of us are in a season of life where we are both raising our children and taking care of our parents and we feel the weight and the burden and we're trying not to grow bitter because we are exchanging the love for selflessly to those who selflessly loved us and raised us. And now we are caught in this tension of both. Lord, some of us are here today and our parents have been in heaven for so long we can hardly recall the sound of their voice but on that summer night we can still imagine being in their arms and there were some imperfections that they have left us with and that I have I have seen in the age that I am but Lord Jesus we are here today no matter where we're at no matter what season of life we are going to choose if there is only two good things to say if there is only one good thing to say that they gave me life and now I know a heavenly father who is perfect who is loving, who is caring, who is compassionate, who is always there, who has never failed me, who has never left me there is a day, it is here where we get to return the weight in the form of honor, Lord Jesus for everyone here today, if there is a weight in their heart that they say, you know what, by the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus who provides provided his own sacrifice. God spared Abraham from sacrificing his son, but God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for us. And just as Isaac picked up the wood to be sacrificed on and walked up the mountain, so too Jesus Christ picked up his cross and he walked up that mountain for us, but God did not stop, God did not spare, God let his son lay his life down for us. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later, and the first thing he did was return the honor to his heavenly Father. He redeemed us. And now he welcomes us. He bids us welcome into his home for all of eternity, adopted by the blood of Jesus through his death and his resurrection. Jesus welcomes us home. And now by the power, the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, it is available to us today. If you are here and if there is a weight on your heart and you are ready to return it, you are ready to give it back from where it came, but you are gonna transform it into honor so that your heart can be transformed in the process. If that is you today, I'm gonna count back from three to one. And when I get to one, I encourage you with no one looking around, a moment between you and your heavenly father who's never let you down, I invite you when I get to one to raise your hands as an outward sign, an outward symbol of an internal resolution that you know what, today's the day where I give that weight back 
back. Today's the day where I return the weight. Today's the day where I give honor and I find peace. Three, if you're here today, we don't believe it's a coincidence. We believe that God brought you here for a reason. Your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. God is abundantly willing to work too. If you feel something stirring, we believe that is the spirit of God stirring inside of you, calling you closer to him, bidding you welcome to let go of the weights. One, if that is you today and you are ready to return the weight, would you lift your hands at this moment? All of my friends on the left, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. All of my friends in the middle, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you. all of my friends on the right, I see you, I see you, I see you. You can lower your hands. Lord Jesus, we are here today and we need you to move. We need you to do what only you can do and heal the, the human heart. Take it from heavy to whole, from burdened to bless, from pain to promise. Lord Jesus, we are here today inviting you to move. And if anyone is here today, and today for the first time, you are ready to say, yes, Lord Jesus, I've heard the promise. I know my Father in heaven loves me. I know my earthly parents had their fair share of imperfections and problems, but I believe that my heavenly Father loves me, that he would do anything for me, that he doesn't sit in heaven and expect us to come home to him, that he runs to us every single day. If you are here today and you are ready to say, yes, Lord Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. If you are ready to give your life to Christ or recommit your life to Christ, I want to invite you on the count of three to lift your hands as well as an outward symbol of what God is doing on the inside of your heart, giving your life to Christ, making him the Lord of your life, believing and following him every day so that you can release the weight and pick up the wholeness so you could release the burden and pick up his the blessing of his presence so you could let go of the problems and pick up his promise for your life if you are here today. Three, we believe it's not an accident. Two, if you feel something stirring, we believe that's the Holy Spirit. One, if that is you today, would you lift your hands and say, yes, Lord Jesus, I wanna give and recommit my life today. If that is you, lift your hands now. I see you, I see you. I see you, and I see you. Go ahead and lower them. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you've blessed us with. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be here today. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would move in our hearts. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would bring us healing and wholeness. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would continue to teach us and guide us and move in our community to bring healing to the deepest hurts, to bring wholeness to the deepest burdens, to bring restoration to the deepest wounds. Lord Jesus, we are expecting you to move. Lord Jesus, we believe you died on the cross and we believe you rose again. Lord Jesus, we believe that you're the only son of God and that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord Jesus, we believe that you are putting your Holy Spirit powerfully upon us. Lord Jesus, we believe that you are our God and we will follow you 
And so, Lord Jesus, it's with great expectation. Lord Jesus, it's with great confidence. Lord Jesus, it is with great love and great faith and great trust and great hope and great promise and great expectations that we believe you are going to continue to move, not just today, not just through a sermon, but through every day of our week going forward. We believe that you are going to heal what has been hurt, that you are going to transform what has been tragedy, that you are going to be our God, and we will follow you as your people, Lord Jesus. We love you. We trust you. And it is with loud and a confident expectation that me and my friends all pray aloud. Amen. Can you clap it up for what God is doing in the life of our community today?